Paula. I'm Caroline. Thank you for listening to the Youth Climate Justice Forum podcast. We're a youth-led group of climate activists working to collectively create change by empowering and inspiring our peers and our community. In this podcast, we're trying to find ways for all of us to continue to work for climate justice during and after the coronavirus crisis. We've seen a brief restoration of the natural world during this pandemic as much human industrial activity has ceased. But is there a way we can make this short-term progress last after the pandemic is over? How can we make sure that climate activism is strengthened and not undermined by the current uncertain times? Join us as we interview various talented local leaders and learn what we all can do to help. This week, we're interviewing Vishal Verma, an assistant professor in the U of I Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering. We'll be talking about ambient particular matter and its effects on our health. Okay, so let's start off with the first question. Can you give us a brief introduction of yourself and an overview of what your job entails? Sure. Uh, so I'm Shal Verma. I'm an assistant professor uh, in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. I do research and teaching in the field of air quality and health. So our group uh, focuses on identifying the these chemical components of the ambient particulate matter and their emission sources, which are most responsible for inducing the adverse health effects in humans. So in addition to the research in this area, I also teach courses on the sampling and analysis of various air pollutants and also the public health engineering. Okay, thank you. Um, and what inspired you to focus on ambient particulate matter, their emission sources and their effects on our health? Okay, um, so that's a difficult question to answer. Uh, you know, your inspiration comes in many forms. Uh, sometimes, you know, you are not able to see it clearly and you are not even aware of it, but it keeps working, you know, underneath you. Um, if I think consciously in my past, I can tell you that, you know, I came from uh, one of the most polluted city, air polluted city on earth, which is New Delhi. Um, and I still remember my days, um, you know, when I used to commute for two hours to get to my graduate school for studies. And by end of the day, you know, I was all lethargic, drained, and my eyes were burning. So, and I know that it is actually related with the air pollution. I have been exposed to the heavy dose of that air pollutants, you know, in my commute. So I think that that could have played some role, uh, you know, when I was uh, making my choice for my PhD in the United States to choose air pollution for my research. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. What have you found are the main sources of emissions on both a local and an e and even a worldwide scale? Okay, uh, so that's a diff that's a good question to answer. Actually, you know, um, so let me tell you that you know there's a great variability in the uh, sources uh, on the emission sources uh, for these air pollutants at the local, regional, and you know the global scale. Um, I mean, if you look at uh, the rural areas in the Midwest U.S., I can tell you that agricultural emissions are going to be one of the major sources. 
but if you go to the cities like chicago uh, los angeles new york even new delhi then vehicular emissions probably become one of the major sources of emissions now in the west coast uh, there's another category of emission sources which is uh, you know the wildfires which contribute heavily to this to the concentration of this ambient particulate matter and if you go to the you know to the rural areas of you know uh, countries like india and africa then biomass burning which is you know the solid fuel used for cooking uh, is going to be one of the contributor and all these emission sources which i listed uh, these are called the primary sources above all these sources there is another category of source uh, which is called the secondary sources uh, which is your atmosphere itself for example you know uh, some of these sources like trees they just emit these volatile organic compounds which are not the particulate matter by themselves but the the atmosphere or the components in the atmosphere which is basically the sunlight you know and other oxidants they they convert these volatile organic compound and gases to the particles now the intensity of these sources and particularly the secondary sources depends a lot on the region and also with the season and the time of the day so uh, to conclude um, there, there's a very large variability in the emission sources at all of these scales yeah that's very interesting i didn't know that yeah no it is interesting <laughs> Um, so, could you please describe the type of tests you do with reactive oxygen species, and what sort of result indicate? So, I think um, I should first tell you that why do we measure these reactive oxygen species? So, you know, the newer studies um, trying to explain the health effects of these ambient particulate matter, they suggest that when these particles are inhaled in our body, they interact with the various antioxidants present in our respiratory system. so when i say antioxidants these are particularly you know uh, ascorbic acid which is vitamin c uh, citric acid glutathione you are probably aware of some of these antioxidants and in that interaction they consume these antioxidants and also generate reactive oxygen species so what we do in our lab is we try to simulate those chemical reaction uh, i should say biochemical reaction in a chemical environment in our lab and so we incubate these particles with these different antioxidants and we measure both the 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 consumption rate of these antioxidants as well as the generation uh, rate of these uh, reactive oxygen species such as superoxide radical hydrogen peroxide hydroxyl radical so uh, the indicator uh, i mean the parameter which we use to you know rank these different pollutant is the rate so a, a pollutant which is a higher rate of consumption of antioxidants or the generation rate of the reactive oxygen species is more harmful than the one which has a lower rate so this type of analysis has uh, revealed very important information that you know certain type of pollutants for example this highly oxygenated organic aerosol in the atmosphere as well as these transition metals like iron copper manganese are the major culprit uh, in the ambient particulate matter which is probably are more responsible uh, for the health effects than the other components oh yeah yeah okay we noticed that you are part, that you were the vice chair of 
the American Association of Aerosol Research. Could you please describe what this group does? Sure. Um, so this position was for two years, uh, starting from 2016. Um, in 2016-17, I was the vice chair. And in 2017-18, I was the chair. But I think it's not probably updated in my profile. Anyways, coming to your question, you know, uh, the American Association for Aerosol Research is a nonprofit and probably the largest professional body of scientists and engineers uh, working in the field of aerosol science and research. So this professional body uh, actually promotes the exchange of technical information and ideas among the members uh, of this organization as well as others through annual conferences, symposium, and also publication in their journal, which is Aerosol Science and Technology. So this organization has various sub teams, uh, such as you know people working in the field of aerosol chemistry, people working in aerosol physics, atmospheric processes, biological aerosols, you know which are very relevant in current times, and the health-related aerosol. So I was the chair uh, for this last group, which is health-related aerosol till 2018. Okay, thank you. So now jumping into more of um, recent times, um, do you think you can tell us how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected your emi affected emissions and your research? Yeah, so, you know, we haven't done this research in my lab, um, you know, because as prob you probably know that Champaign-Urbana is already very clean in terms of the air quality. Um, and it's very difficult to see an impact when, you know, your background is already very low. But I know the, the researchers from other groups, for example, NASA, you know, which measures this aerosol optical depth through satellite measurement, which is an indicator of these aerosol emissions and also the NOx column they measure. They have consistently shown that there has been a significant drop in the air pollution uh, throughout the world. In fact, you know, I know uh, a lot of researchers which are, you know, uh, basically indicating that this pandemic can provide a very rare opportunity to, to see how does a clean environment look like. And this can actually give us an opportunity to understand the contribution of various anthropogenic sources, various natural sources to the overall concentration of the air pollutants, you know, when the things will resume again. But as you know, we all know that this is going to be very, very temporary. Um, yeah. So now coming to your, I think the question of how COVID-19 has affected my research, I would say, you know, pretty significantly, you know, uh, I'm an experimentalist. So all my students have to be in the lab for most of the time. And due to current stay at home order, you know, our lab was largely shut down, except for the work we did for, you know, testing the filtration efficiency of various types of masks, you know, the face coverings and also the N95 masks um, to provide uh, our local healthcare community. But, you know, I'm not complaining about it. That was something unique. That was not something unique to us um, and therefore pretty understandable. <laughs> sure, yeah. And it's important that we, you know, look into the reduced emissions, like you said. Yeah, right, absolutely. Okay, so if you wouldn't mind sharing, what impact has your research made on people and the environment? So to understand, you know, the impact of our research, uh, 
on environment and the people i think we'll have to understand little bit of the background of the pm 2.5 related policies so you know pm when i say pm 2.5 is basically defined ambient particulate matter which is which has been shown most uh, hazardous in terms of its health impacts so you know the current national ambient air quality standards in united states as well as most of the countries are currently based on mass of the particle but unlike you know the other pollutants like you know when i say um, sulfur dioxide or nox you know pm 2.5 is not a single chemical species so you know like the metals coming from one source organic compound com compound coming from another source inorganic substances coming from another source they all mix up in the atmosphere and form this particle so basically they are mixture what does that mean is that the the particle in chicago could be vastly different than the particle in los angeles but our our current national ambient air quality standard they don't make this distinction they they treat these particles similarly so that is the problem we currently have i think so our research basically has shown that this chemical composition of the particle from where it is coming from it actually matters a lot we have shown that in our in our lab you know uh, that it actually has an impact on the generation rate of the reactive oxygen species and possibly the health impact now it is up to the air quality regulating agencies to you know to consider revising their pm standards from mass to also include the chemical composition and i hope that they will consider it soon yeah i think that that definitely needs to be taken action upon yeah i mean that's what i think uh, our research group has been showing and also like you know uh, other research groups throughout the world that you know uh, we have been involved in the sampling in india in other countries and we are showing that these chemical composition is vastly different so we have to consider that you know we cannot just keep on doing business as usual <laughs> yeah and finally thing everyone including youth can do to help reduce emissions and protect themselves from its health effects okay yeah that is a very good question and very interesting question <laughs> um i mean i should just should give a disclaimer that you know uh, the thoughts presented to answer this question are, are my personal so you know um on the periphery you know it might look like that you know these emission sources like vehicular emissions or industrial emissions are actually the sources of air pollution but i think if you look little deep inside it, it it's largely our choices that is resulting into these emissions i mean i personally think that we have to take a very holistic approach to understand all this that why the very environment which has produced us is slowly turning against us uh i think it's because that it's related with our intrinsic nature which sometimes becomes so self-centered that it refuses to see its impact on on the surroundings you know we always blame these developing countries for the particulate matter emissions because you know we can literally see these particles in the air or at least they reflect you know in the air which started you know looking dirty but you know the developed countries like you know australia and the united states 
they are actually among the largest uh, per capita emitter of the carbon dioxide. Now, carbon dioxide is a colorless gas. You can't see that in the atmosphere. So it doesn't cause a visible nuisance in the atmosphere. But we all know its effect on the global climate, right? So why does the countries like, you know, uh, United States, which has done so remarkably well in the PM pollution, is not able to do equally good in the carbon dioxide emission? I think because carbon dioxide emission is inherently related to our personal comfort, which we don't want to jeopardize. You know, uh, I think people in the developed countries are too much concerned over their personal comfort and the aesthetics. Uh, I mean, a simple example could be the use of the electrical dryer, you know, for drying our clothes. It uses enormous amount of energy, which means carbon dioxide emission. On the other hand, if you just hang these clothes outside in the sun or even inside, uh, it doesn't lead to any emissions. But you ask these people to do that, you know, what will they say? Oh, it doesn't look aesthetically good. My question is that, does that really matter so much? So I think we have to make a choice of ourselves in the end. And I stress this uh, specifically again, that we really have to be able to distinguish between our need and our greed. And this pandemic, I think, has given us a wonderful opportunity to make this distinction. Satisfying our needs benefit the environment as well as our own health. Satisfying our greed, although it might look initially very satisfying, but ultimately leads to deteriorate both the environment and our own health. Really, they are not separate. Yeah, I agree. Just doing small things can, as those small things can lead to um, big changes. Exactly. Um, so that's all the questions we have for, um, so thank you a lot for spending your time with us today. You're welcome. I, I really appreciate, you know, having me uh, on this podcast series. Thank you so much for listening to the Youth Climate Justice Forum podcast. Be sure to tune in next week.